0: Sponsors first, Top Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium, Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compcy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. My conversation with Joe Orlando, formerly PSA as we start out, and now with the collectible in a key position. Very excited about that for Joe, and uh, here's our conversation. First, I want to apologize for keeping my distance with you for so many years in probably a misapplied sense of competition that uh, PSA was not the enemy, but our guys were more connecting, the grading guys. But I just think I had probably a wrong attitude toward you and others at PSA. You guys did what you did. We did what we did. There was some cooperation within our our organizations, but you had a great ride. Thank you. And I had a great ride. My ride ended, and I'm back, but unattached, whereas you're back with... uh, collectible now that sounds really exciting so welcome
1: joe first of all i'm honored to be sitting here with you and that's interesting i never felt that at all i, I felt it was just like we, everyone's so busy we were number you know?
0: one in the hobby in so many things except <laughs> <laughs> i used to you know david hall never gigged me or anything and some of the your other uh, predecessors there but it didn't stick in my craw because you guys earned it at psa it wasn't accidental. And there was a lot of forethought and a lot of hard work and execution. Not just, "Oh, we're just going to grade a bunch of cards, have a registry, and everything's fine." Right? No, I, <laughs> I don't know if people think what a CEO does, but usually a CEO is solving the problems that the president can't. Yeah, it's know. definitely so, a juggling act. Like me, I think you're a hobbyist at heart, a precious commodity in this industry. So you're going to be a force for good. What I think is going to be a very influential company. Uh, Going forward, I think
1: you're touching on something really important. The last couple of years, I've never seen an influx of participants and money like this. And we in the industry has gone through a couple explosions, the 1980s, there was one about 20 years ago, nothing like this. But you're right, there's so many new people coming in, and in some cases, they're spending money before they're learning about the subject matter. That was one of the things that attracted me to collectible. They really value the educational aspect of the hobby, and it's something I enjoy doing. So they're going to allow me to really work on the kind of content that could be archived for many years to come, and new people coming in could use it as a resource, whether it's a, a really a specific subject, like collecting cards or game-use yeah. bats or original photos or general collecting tips. when. I mean, we're talking about the levels that are being paid at this point are so, so ginormous that it's important that people slow down and learn a little bit before they do it. But this explosion is like nothing I've ever seen.
0: Are you an educator at heart? Because I didn't think you were an educator by training. I used to be a professor and I enjoyed the teaching aspect, but not enough to make it a career. But I feel like all along I've wanted to help as you do with educating and helping the industry grow. I think if you don't have a good, strong knowledge base, it's just a bunch of guys trading cards without any yeah. basis. So there are some fundamentals and, and you seem to be prolific in the fact, but you but you had a full-time job to be in the CEO. And when the consultants came into me, they said, you can't be the CEO and do these price guides because they're two full-time jobs. But you surely had two full-time jobs.
1: But that was an outlet for me. I, I loved it so much. That's something I'd do on a Sunday night, just okay. sit down and maybe write something or research something. I've been very fortunate in having mentors from the age of five till now. I, I turned 50 in October, and I feel like I have a, enough years under my belt now. I want to give that back to other people. All along, I had people willing to spend time with me when I didn't have two nickels to rub together. Yeah. Now, you see what's happening in our industry. I, I wanna give that to others and Collectible is going
0: to allow me to do that. I don't know to what extent they created a job for you, but if they didn't, they should have. Say, we want this guy on our team. Here are his strengths. Let's, let's make it a great situation. So is that what happened? Looks to me that you're a good fit there if, if they're going to let you do that stuff. Yeah, I, and they need that. yeah, It was a long process.
1: I took about eight plus months off after I, I had resigned from Collector's Universe. And we talked every few weeks about different ways I could help the company. I, I really felt there was a point in the fall where there was a meeting of the minds of how I could fit into What I believe, they've done such a great job in such a short period of time. I know that the the fractional platform itself is still foreign to people, but it's really interesting to me as I I look forward in the hobby. There was just this moment as we had more conversations, I met more members of the team where I felt like, okay, this makes sense. Very sharp group. Yeah. When
0: I was running the company, I'd be in a situation where I couldn't do all the things I needed to do. And unfortunately, I was also the owner of the company, so I could stroke a check to say, we're going to fund this. CEO at Collector's Universe when it was public. Yes. but well, That's a different kind of currency and oversight. Did you enjoy that? Because many of my buddies that have been CEOs of public companies, it's, it's taken the bitter with the sweet.
1: Yeah, it's an invaluable experience, but it comes with other things. Going back to Collector's Universe for a second and and it being public before, I do believe that it's in a better place being a private company because Uh, of the freedom that comes with it. As a public company CEO, you have a lot of different uh, people to answer to, shareholders, board members. And you can't answer
0: the question. You are not allowed to answer certain things. Yes. Or you get in trouble. There's an art to it. And you apparently mastered it. It's well, probably nice to have that in your rear view mirror. I hope Collectible doesn't go public anytime soon. (laughs) <laughs> just for your sake or for anybody's sake, but eventually it, it easily could.
1: Obviously, I think it has a tremendous future. I know the team is interested in doing other things as well, expanding Collectibles Horizon. I'm excited about it, but yeah, the public company experience, again, it was wonderful. I'm glad I had it, but yeah, there's more red tape, layers of approval, and they're in a better place because of it. They're able to move faster in terms of innovation, expansion. They'll be able to do things more quickly because
0: fewer layers of The antidote against NFTs, I think, is fractional. People are thinking, oh, we don't understand these new ideas in the hobby. Fractional is easy to understand compared to NFTs. But in either one of them, can you hold the card or take it home with you? But in each one, you have a financial position in something. I think fractional is way easier to understand than NFTs. There's enough publicity that NFTs are something of interest, that fractional can look like the, uh, the safer bet. Yeah, and it, it could bridge the gap it as well. It could bridge the gap. Somebody looking for a 21st century idea that still has roots in, there's a physical card there, and with the prices these cards have now, and again, I'm not blaming PSA or BGS or anybody, but these phenomenal prices in, in almost every case come in, in a PSA or a BGS holder. These world record million dollar prices, grading surprised my expectations. Maybe a little bit of professional jealousy that uh, the registry just really... I remember Mark Harwell came to me and said, we can do everything better and we still don't have the registry. But that's customer intimacy. It's not a winner take all, because I think we carved out a niche, but... It's almost winner take all, first mover advantage, like a lot of the dot-com things are. We had all these distinctives, which I can joke with you, we had the the lowest uh, margins in the grading category, I think, (laughs) with an inner sleeve and a thicker slab and metallic holders and all these things that Mark Harwell, that you knew, has passed away now. Great ideas, but they all added to our uh, delivery time and cost. Part of me says, I wish we'd started out charging the way you guys did, but uh, we wanted to have our distinctives, and I'm not a copycat, but I can admire the great things PSA did under your regime that really were market-leading. Collectible, if you can bring some of that same energy to Collectible, I love the fact they're sports-centric right now. I know they'll probably expand out to other things, but you're going to keep them aware this is not just an industry, it's a hobby, too.
1: Obviously, I appreciate the kind words, but what you did with the magazine, with the price guide, with the structure, it was a big inspiration to me working at PSA, and it's an inspiration to me working at Collectible. Someone asked me the other day, what's the common theme within each explosion that our industry has experienced in the last four or five decades? A big part of it is access to information. What was the first part of that. Back in the pre-internet days, which it's hard for many of the young people to think about, but it was getting the the price guide was structure. The price guide was data. And that helped raise the industry to an entirely new level because now things made sense. I would go into a baseball card shop or a show and there was something to refer to that brought structure to the market. So all the way back then and, and throughout every leap, our industry has made access to information, access to product, access to people seems to be the common theme, but content to me.
0: The content is important. And a collectible bringing you on says they're embracing that. An educated customer is a better customer. When I started doing price guides in the 70s, dealers would come up to me and they'd say, you're killing me, just going to ruin everything. And I said, you'd be surprised if people understand there is a value structure here It's articulated. It's not exact because if it was, we wouldn't have to do a new edition the very next month. Things are are dynamic and you'll figure out a way, but the cards are going to come out. And that's what's happened now. There's so many cards. They're doing these breaks. They're charting what cards are still in the product. Mm -hmm. That assumes that everything that gets broken, which a lot of that high-end product does get broken publicly, is going to be... Accessible, available, visible. If it's not, if somebody did a private break and got the the Primo card from that product, uh, it's gone from being a private hobby to a public hobby, and it's been yeah. in your lifetime, in my lifetime.
1: Yeah, I distinctly remember. That attitude. And that attitude lasted for a very long time where it's, I have this information, I'm going to keep it to myself because it's an advantage for me as a buyer, as a collector or a dealer versus the next person. But I agree, an educated buyer is a confident buyer. So I think in terms of the overall market health, it's way better if it's more of an even playing field. There are no secrets
0: anymore. The young kid coming in has researched that one card to the nth degree and knows that's a card on the move and the dealer's got a hundred cards in the showcase not tracking them all equally. when i was doing the early price guides these naysayer dealers you know in the 70s they said yeah you're gonna kill it that's really bad and i said well i'd really like you to help and fill out the survey and participate." some were reluctant but many were not but my ace in the hole was I was going to all the shows. I I knew what they were going for. But if the Beckett price guide would have meant in the first one, this is Jim Beckett's idea of what the prices are, it wouldn't have gained the acceptance. But we had broad support, but not universal support, but enough that we had a pretty good sample of what was going on there, which in many cases enlightened me, but in many other cases just ratified. I knew that these goudies at that time went for 10 bucks. It's 10 bucks. I'd ask 10 dealers and they'd all say eight, 10, 12 bucks, whatever it would be. So 10 bucks is okay. But of the ones that I'm not going to tell you, I so said, wait a minute, I just bought the cards from you at the show today. So, you know, I know what they're going for. And so that helped a lot that I had credibility because I was one of them. Part of your success, you're one of them. Well, and if you wouldn't
1: this, have been, it would be effective. No, I agree. I, I think you're touching on something very important. This is a hobby you have to immerse yourself in. If you do it part-time, you're never going to learn enough about what you're collecting, what you're buying, what you're investing in. And you lived it and you breathed it. Yeah, that, for me, I, That's yeah, the kinship.
0: Yeah. It'd be shared struggle if it wasn't so much fun. Yeah, that's right. But it is a great side gig, though, if you specialize. Yeah. But if you're trying to cover the gamut of everything that's out there, it's full time and inside. There's too much to know. There's too much yeah, to know.
1: No one knows it all, but there's so much to know. And it, No matter how much of a sponge you try to be, you learn something every day. But that's also what makes it interesting and fun. Even so.
0: within just baseball. But are, are yeah. you mainly a baseball guy? Because I started out being mainly a baseball In terms of collecting? Yeah. Mainly a baseball guy, yeah. But the exciting thing in the last few years is that it, it isn't only baseball. And if baseball is perceived as being a little bit pricey, which you have all these data analytic tools to say that, that uh, gee, I think I'll go do tennis for a while. Mm-hmm.
1: You've witnessed this hobby go through so many changes. Narrow it to one thing, what is the most surprising thing that has happened in the last couple of years? Other than the, just the general well, explosion,
0: you just say, I can't believe this happened or accelerated so quickly. I went to a presentation about Bitcoin earlier this week about justifications, why Bitcoin? And I raised my hand and said, if Bitcoin is this hedge against certain things and it correlated with certain things, why has it not changed in value in the last two months? Shouldn't it have gone up? And my answer to that was that if you live in Ukraine, you got Bitcoin, you're not the least bit unhappy that it stayed the same. Or Russia, your rubles were cratered. Okay. So that's my answer. In the last couple of years with COVID pandemic, that cards not only didn't go down and didn't stay the same, they've continued to march onward and upward with enough hiccups to show people this is not a sure thing, that knowledge matters.